Good morning. Um, my name is Mika. I'm married to Ben, and we have a little boy called Jasper. And we've been here in Colchester for six years. Um, so I'm going to share some verses with you that have been significant in my life over the past 10 years. This story of Martha and Mary was familiar to me from growing up in church. However, it wasn't until university that God spoke to me through it more directly. So I'm going to read from Luke 10, 38 to 42, but we'll be focusing on the last two verses in particular. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but the one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Um, I would always have said that I'm more of a Martha than a Mary. I'm more likely to be found buzzing around uh, and distracted with serving or other things rather than just sitting quietly. So I do feel for Martha in this account. I can understand her almost annoyed response at being left to serve alone. She might have thought Mary was being lazy and felt the stress of wanting the house to be presentable, good food and drink to be served, um, and with a smile. But the crucial point here is what Jesus says. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Um, Dorothy, you've shared so wonderfully. I've loved hearing part of your story. And even in the worship, it feels like there's different things that are kind of tying together, which is exciting. Um, but I come to you this morning feeling very unqualified to share my story. Um, and I do want to be authentic. So honestly, I don't generally feel very close to God at the moment. There have been times over the last year where I've known his presence. But in general, I felt a bit distant. To the point where I didn't really want to do a life first and I considered quitting. But <laughs> through thinking and preparing for this, um, I felt God speak to me about learning to wait for him. Psalm 62 verse 1 and 2 says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. The emphasis in these verses is on God, on who he is and what he has done. Getting my eyes off myself and onto him, therefore I shall not be greatly shaken. Looking at who God is doesn't leave me much room to rely on myself, on how I feel, because he is constant and faithful, the same yesterday, today and forever. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. Through Jesus we have been bought with a price, our lives are not our own and we now live for him. We have this wonderful identity in Christ. John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So why am I saying all of this? In previous generations, people functioned based on necessity. You worked whatever job you could in order to earn money to provide for your family. There was a sense of duty to fulfill, and people did. Humans have always been selfish, so it's not unique to now. Um, but at the moment in the Western world, particularly with the internet, it feels like there's this huge mainstream emphasis on each individual being the center of their own world. You do you. Live your truth. Treat yourself. You deserve it. And choosing to do things based on how you feel. Are you feeling it? No, I'm not feeling it. It's so pervasive you don't even realize you're drawn into it. 
But I don't want to live like that, entirely based on how I feel, which means going up and down like a roller coaster, because there's nothing fixed to hold on to like a rock or an anchor or a firm foundation. So we're just going to walk through the different phrases in these verses and see what we can learn. When Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Can you relate? You might not have anxiety, but I'm sure most people feel stressed, worried, concerned, and or fearful about normal day-to-day things in life to some degree, and even to a greater degree, as Dorothy has already shared. Looking at Martha, what could she have been anxious and troubled about? Maybe it's hosting. Before COVID, people might have just worried about whether or not there's enough food, hoping that you don't give people food poisoning, um, whether or not people would talk to each other. And now that we're coming out of lockdown restrictions, there's, there's still quite a lot to, con- to consider in terms of how comfortable each person or household is with seeing other people and what that looks like. People-pleasing. Maybe you want to impress people or at least show them your best side to win their approval. Balancing and juggling many things. A home to look after and maintain, friends and family to keep up with and see, birthdays and celebrations to remember, buying cards and presents for. If you have a job, then working. If you don't, but you're looking for one, then it's looking at job ads, rewriting your CV, filling out application forms, going for interviews. If you have kids, then keeping them alive. If they're in school, then keeping up with homework, letters, trips, play dates. Doing some kind of exercise or hobbies. Maybe it's volunteering. If you're involved with church life to any degree, there's a lot going on. And there's a certain amount of responsibility that goes with all of these things. And they need to run with some kind of priority. Maybe it's finances. You enjoy a certain degree of financial security and that's not always possible because things break, like washing machines and cars, out of the blue and they need to be paid for. Or maybe it's not even physical things. It's just having a busy mind. Even while sitting or lying still, I can find my mind is going a million miles an hour with just lists of things to do, emails, WhatsApp messages to reply to, things to communicate to other people. Maybe one or more, or all of these things I've just said, are relatable concerns of yours. If not, think about what your distraction might be. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Jesus, in his kindness, is aware of the many things that Martha is anxious and troubled about. However, he simply cuts to the heart of it. One thing is necessary. You may have all these other things you're thinking about, concerned about, worried about, but it's not necessary. One thing is necessary. The next phrase is Mary has chosen the good portion. There are so many choices or decisions to be made in a day, whether they're conscious or not. Maybe they're just too many. It's easy to move through the day with a sense of routine or which can help eliminate or at least limit some of these decisions, putting you on an autopilot or on a rotation with these these choices. I'm just talking about normal things like what to cook for dinner or what TV show to watch. However, bad habits can become part of your routine much more easily than good ones, which take thought and effort to establish. When we're choosing how to spend our time, minutes, hours, days, we're choosing how to spend our lives. At the start of this year, I read a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He addresses the point I'm trying to make, so I'm going to read you a little bit from the book. Um, He is American and is a few years old, so please bear that in mind. Apparently, I'm known as a reader. I read two or three books a week, which normally comes in at around 125 books a year. And I feel pretty good about that. At least I did. Until I read Charles Chu's calculations. 
the average American reads 200 to, two, um, sorry, 200 to 400 words per minute. At that speed, we could all read 200 books a year, nearly twice my quota in 417 hours. Sounds like a lot, right? 417? That's over an hour a day. But can you guess how much time the average American spends on social media each year? The number is 705 hours. TV? 2,737 and a half hours. Meaning for just a fraction of the time we give to social media and TV, we could all become avid readers to the nth degree. Charles Chu laments, here's the simple truth behind reading a lot of books. It's not that hard. We have all the time we need. The scary part, the part we all ignore, is that we are too addicted, too weak, and too distracted to do what we all know is important. So if what this guy says about reading is true, then how much more of this is true in our lives with God? What else could we give thousands of hours of our year to? In 20 minutes of Candy Crush on our morning bus ride, we could pray for every single one of our friends and family members. In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible in six months. In a day running errands and shopping for stuff we really don't need, we could practice Sabbath, an entire seventh of our lives devoted to rest, worship, and the celebration of our journey through God's good world. Paul said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. That next to last phrase can be translated from the Greek in a few ways. Redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity, make the most of every chance you get. Every day is a chance, every hour an opportunity, every moment a precious gift. Okay, I don't know how you feel about those numbers, but I was quite shocked the first time I read them because of how big numbers. Um, TV is an easy target, but I find for me and so many of us, it can be one of those default choices. So how are we spending our time? What choices are we making? At home, we talk about being distracted versus being with God. Uh, it can be like choosing between snacky, empty calories and, a good and good nutritious food that's going to fill and satisfy you. I find sometimes looking at different versions of the Bible um, can help with perspective on familiar stories or verses you find hard to understand. So the message says this about the passage we've just read. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course and won't be taken from her. So what we're talking about here is priorities. What are we choosing first? What's our main course? What is the good portion? Let's look at Mary. What did she do? And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary just wants to be with Jesus, humbly sitting at his feet and listening to him and what he's teaching. <clears throat> if you've been in church for a while, you might have heard people talk about spending time with God or a quiet time. So what is that? Usually, the picture painted is something like this. Sitting alone in a study with a good chair, good coffee, and a Bible, journal, some other Christian books, where you worship and pray and listen to God and reflect. It's a great model and definitely something to aspire to, but it's not the only way you can spend time with God and grow in devotion to him. Some people are naturally inclined towards discipline and they find it very easy. Um, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I have to work very hard at any good habits. I'm naturally quite lazy, so it doesn't come easily. In the past, I've had some really good times with God and they've varied in different stages of life. So as a student, 
um, I would get up relatively early and read my Bible, write in a prayer journal, listen to worship music. I had a bit of a growth spurt in my relationship with God at that time, and I loved reading his word and getting to know him through it. I had summer jobs in restaurants where I'd read my Bible during my lunch breaks. When I worked in office jobs, um, I would worship and pray during my drive to work and would read the Bible in the car park. I also really like to be with God outside, um, and I find it easy to worship him in creation. So there's been times where I've gone to the beach or walked to a favorite spot with a view to be with him. This past year as a new mum during lockdown has been different. I've tried different things to help me engage with God. A devotional book for new mums, the Lectio 365 app that you can listen to, come and sing with me worship times, listening to a Revival and Reformation podcast, running, praying on the go, and cultivating thankfulness. Now, there were times during this past year where I wasn't doing very much. I didn't feel like I was achieving much in my day-to-day but I was keeping our newborn baby, you know, alive and fed and clean and dry. Um, But I wasn't nailing like a good devotional routine. But in looking at these verses recently, I felt God smiling and kindly saying that I've missed the mark. In that, the the things I'm trying to do to please him aren't really what he's after. He wants our hearts. He wants us to delight ourselves in him. And I do want to delight in him. And when I'm not feeling it, I don't want that to stop me. A few of us in our life group have talked about pushing past duty to delight. I want to grow in discipline and maturity and delight in God. I want to learn more of what it is to wait patiently for him, whatever that looks like. The last thing Jesus says is, it will not be taken away from her. There is so much that we have in the Western world that can be taken away from us. It can go out of date, out of fashion, go moldy, break or be stolen. Or more eloquently put in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want Jesus to be my treasure. I want to invest my time, energy, and efforts into what he wants because it will always be well spent. Where so many things can be taken away from me, I want to live for him because that can't be taken away by anyone. My parents live in China and have done for the last six years, so we have been all about the video call since then. If I don't speak with my parents for a few days, I might not totally feel in the loop with what's going on with them or feel that close to them, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm still their daughter. So I don't have to be insecure about my position before God when I don't feel like I'm delighting in him. What Jesus has done in paying my debt of sin that I owed but could never pay, his righteousness that I am now covered in, means that I'm a child of God that the Father looks on me with great delight and that is sure and secure because of who he is and what he has done. Not based on the number or length of my prayers or the amount of Bible verses I've read or memorized, how many serving teams I'm on, how many extracurricular church activities I take part in, how on top of life I am or how generally good I try to be on the outside. No, he sees all that misplaced effort and he just wants our hearts.